Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor John Ferguson as we continue the series, Awaken. If you'd like prayer, simply text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team is standing by and ready to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Do you remember how in the first week of January, we were so relieved that 2020 was behind us? Well, that first week of January seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Uh, Maybe some of you saw this on social media. What if 2020 is just a trailer of 2021? Uh, Just a little frightening, isn't it? Uh, Let me say this though. You know, in the midst of all the craziness of 2020, I think we fail to realize the year had its good moments. I, I mean, at least a couple. There were actually some great technological advances in 2020. In fact, one advance I found particularly exciting was the launch of SpaceX. Now, when I mentioned this to our teaching team, half the team wasn't aware of SpaceX. So if you have access to a chat room, quick survey, okay? Just simply type yes or no. Yes, if you know about SpaceX or no, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? Type in yes, if you know about SpaceX or no, if you don't. SpaceX is the first private company to send humans into outer space. And there were actually two launches of SpaceX in 2020, one in May and one in November. On the first mission, the astronauts stayed in space for 62 days. And in the second mission, they will be in space for six months. Uh, Here's a picture of that crew. All right, so sometime today, what I want you to do is go outside, look up in the sky, and know that this crew is still out there somewhere. But can you imagine what it would be like to be sent on a mission to outer space? I mean, on the one hand, it would be completely exhilarating. Well, on the other hand, utterly frightening. I mean, we've all seen the photos of Earth from outer space, right? But imagine if it was you on the other side of that camera. Just think of the stories you would have to tell about that mission. Here's where I'm going with this today. Don't miss it, all right? What if I told you that as a follower of Jesus, you are sent on the most important life-changing mission of all time. What if I told you that as a follower of Jesus, you're actually sent on the most important life-changing mission of all time. You have been sent on a mission to help people find their way back to God. You see, in this Awaken series, uh, we're asking God to awaken every single one of us so that we don't drift through 2021 and some kind of, you know, just haphazard way. But instead, we become super focused on hearing from God and following him as he leads us and sends us into the days, weeks, and months ahead. It's one of the reasons we've joined together to start this year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. I mean, we're seven days in, but you can still join us. You can find more information about the prayer and fasting at communitychristian.info. The theme we chose for this year's 21 days of prayer and fasting is our mission, helping people find their way back to God. You know, it's the reason we exist as a community. It's the calling that God has placed on us as a people. And each of us is sent to carry out that mission. Now, to better understand this, I want us to look at how Luke, the doctor and historian, set the stage for the section of scripture that we've been looking at during this Awakened series. Luke writes this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out. I mean, do you hear the urgency in Jesus' voice? Do you hear it? He's saying, hey, there's so much need and opportunity out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There are so many people who still have yet to find their way back to God. And I'm sending you on a mission to help them. And it's not just these first century Christ followers who are sent. No, we, you and I, we are sent too. Uh, Following his resurrection and just before he returned to his father in heaven, uh, Jesus actually said this. He said, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus said, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. That's me and you. So you see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent. Now, for some of us, this may mean being sent to a new place, a new neighborhood or a new workplace, or maybe even a new city. A number of years back for my family, it meant being sent from the suburbs to the north side of Chicago. But you know, for most of us, this simply means recognizing we have been sent to the very places where we already live, where we already work, where we already play. And yet, for some reason, so many of us just don't see ourselves that way. We don't recognize our true purpose for being where we are. In fact, I find that we have all sorts of reasons for not embracing our mission. You know, we might think, well, you know, I'm not prepared. I mean, after all, astronauts, they train for a lifetime for their missions. Pastors go to seminary for years. And so we, I think, convince ourselves that we need more time to get ready to be prepared. Or, Or we might think, you know, well, I have nothing really to offer. And then we focus on the areas of our lives that just, you know, aren't what we think they should be. And so we say to ourselves, you know, who am I to think I could play a significant part in God's mission? Or maybe we think, you know, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. And I get that. I mean, talking to people about Jesus can be awkward at times. I mean, the last thing I want to do is put somebody off, right? And I got to tell you, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've had this thought myself way more often than I care to admit. But here's the deal. I think we have misunderstood what it means to be sent. Let me say that again. I think we have misunderstood what it means to be sent. You see, we somehow think our mission is to convince people to come to church, or we think our job is to convert people into Christ followers. But the way people were sent in scripture, it's very different. You see, God doesn't send us to coerce, convince, or even convert. He sends us to love and bless people in the name of Jesus. That's right. God doesn't send us to coerce, convince, or convert. He sends us to love and bless people in the name of Jesus. And we see that this was his plan almost from the very beginning of time. I mean, take a look at what God said all the way back in Genesis when he spoke these words to Abraham. He said, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, long before Jesus sent his disciples telling them to go, God sent Abraham and Sarah telling them to go. And notice how God told them to go. I mean, one word is repeated five times in just three short verses. Do you see it? God says to Abraham, 
I will bless you and you will be a what? That's right, a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And not only that, all people on earth will, help me out, right? Be blessed through you. What's the key word here? It's bless. God blessed them and sent them to be a blessing. God said to Abraham, go, I'm sending you. And wherever you go, whenever you go, however you go, you are to be a blessing. I will bless you and then you will bless others with that blessing. I'm not blessing you so you can sit back and reflect on how good it feels to be blessed. No, God says you are blessed to be a blessing. But maybe you still wonder, okay, well, what does Abraham's blessing have to do with me? Well, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. We see that here, right? Abraham's descendants were also blessed to be a blessing. That's here also. And centuries later, the apostle Paul draws a straight line from Abraham to us when he writes this. He says, those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith, that's us. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith, again, that's us, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, the same promise of blessing for Abraham is a promise to us if we choose to follow Jesus. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are now the sent ones. That is our mission, to simply be a blessing. If there's anyone with you right now, I'll tell you what, look them in the eye and say, you are blessed to be a blessing. And if there's not anybody with you, just type that in the chat. If you have access to the chat, you are blessed to be a blessing. But here's the question, okay? How do we live this sentence out? I mean, how can we actually be a blessing? What does that look like? Well, there's no better model for what it looks like to go and bless than Jesus. The very one who told his closest friends and followers to go. I mean, his entire life was a blessing. So a number of years back, uh, we took a deep look at the life of Jesus to see if there were any patterns in, in how he blessed people. And you know, the more we sifted through his life, the more we began to see some patterns or practices that Jesus repeated over and over again. And so we made a list of all those practices, narrowed it down to the top five, and then we focused on making them simple and unforgettable. And finally, we put them into an acrostic. Guess what it spells? B-L-E-S-S, bless. Now, I know these ways are, are new to some of you, so I wanna walk through them briefly together, okay? Well, the B is for begin with prayer, begin with prayer. Now, when Jesus started his earthly mission, Luke, the doctor and historian tells us, he went out on a mountain and prayed. Jesus went out on a mountain and prayed before he began his ministry. Over and over, we see Jesus retreating to prayer. So if you're not sure who God is calling you to bless, like Jesus, you can begin with prayer. You see, prayer is both how you discover your mission it's also how you live it out. And so if you already know the people you wanna bless, begin praying for those people now. And yes, prayer counts as a way to bless people. And if you're wondering how to pray, think about it like the golden rule of prayer. Yeah, pray for others as you would want them to pray for you. B is for begin with prayer. Now the L, the L is for listen. You know, asking questions and then listening was absolutely central to Jesus' life and teachings. 
Yeah, he asked way more questions than he answered. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, of the 183 questions Jesus was asked, he answered only a handful. Most of the time he responded with more and more questions of his own. True listening, true listening may be the kindest and most loving gift you can give someone. Even during a pandemic. I mean, as long as you keep your distance and a mask on, you could still talk to people when you're out and about. And if you're not comfortable leaving your home, then use FaceTime or Zoom or try making a phone call. Remember those voice-to-voice phone calls? (laughs) Listening is so important. And folks, Christians have become more known for talking than listening. One of the best ways we can love people is to listen. I love these words from author David Augsburger. He writes, being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Think about that. Being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, you can hardly tell them apart. You wanna love somebody? Listen to them. Now, you'll have to forgive me for this next one because a lot of us are in the middle of this 21-day fast, okay? But the E in bless is for eat. Eat, that's the third practice. You know, Jesus liked to eat. Did you know that? Yeah, over and over again, we find Jesus with tax collectors and sinners. And what's he doing? Sharing meals with them. There's just something about, there's something about sharing a meal together that moves almost any relationship past acquaintance toward friendship faster than just about anything else we can do. Let me ask you, do you recall a time when someone asked you to join them for a meal? It may have been a while, but... Do you remember that when you were asked to join somebody, maybe even just for dessert? And and maybe it was in someone's home or at a restaurant. It it didn't really matter because after that, wasn't it like you were friends all of a sudden? And, And wasn't it a blessing to simply be asked? Sharing a meal is a powerful way to go and bless the people around you. So we begin with prayer. We listen, we eat, and then... The first S in bless is serve. And and, you know, Jesus, he couldn't have been more direct when he said this about himself. He said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to, that's right, serve. I mean, Jesus modeled for us that if you'll begin with prayer, listen and eat with someone, you'll discover how you can best serve the person God is asking you to bless. Now, social distancing may mean we have to get a little more creative in how we serve, but serving can be as simple as writing a thank you note to your local grocer or first responder, offering to have a a meal delivered to someone you know could use it. I mean, just this past week, our our neighbor had surgery on her leg. And so Lisa, my wife and I, we went to Target down the street, put together a simple care package and gave it to her. You see, serving in simple and practical ways is such a powerful way to love and bless the people around you. So begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, And finally, when people were ready to listen, Jesus would share his story. Uh, Like when Doubting Thomas came to him asking, how can we know the way? Thomas was saying, tell me the story. And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through a relationship with me. When you befriend and bless people, they will want to know your story. And then you can tell them, you can tell them, how the love of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, how that has changed your life. Now, speaking of story, 
A good friend of mine who used to actually live in my neighborhood in Chicago has practiced these five ways to bless people for a number of years. Uh, He and I had a conversation over Zoom a while back, and I wanted to share it with you. Lauren, man, it's so great to to see you again. And I just want to say thanks for taking a few minutes to share your blessed story with us. Yeah, sure, John. Great to see you. Give our friends who are with us a little background on yourself and maybe to share with them how we met. I had served for about seven years in Chicago, leading a ministry called Reach 77. Uh, While I was there, um, I actually kind of bumped into you. Um, I had encountered uh, the BLESS acronym and had been practicing it in the ministry that we were leading. And I was sitting in a cafe uh, in Lincoln Park. And I interrupted the conversation and meal I was having with him just because I wanted to go over and say hello to you and introduce myself. And I think in that conversation with you, I mentioned you know, hey, I'm actually I'm practicing what you guys have been teaching and preaching. You know, I think that was so was so encouraging to me um, about connecting with you, Lauren, and, and hearing about the stories. It really helped me realize this is not uh, something that's you know like for the professionals, if you will. I mean, yeah. this was. Yeah, I mean, you were using these practices with your neighbors. So, do uh, you have a particular story? Maybe you could to tell us where you feel like it was particularly impactful? Yeah, I mean, Chicago, so we lived in on the north side and I was on the L quite often traveling up and down all over the city. Um, and I was on my way downtown uh, one day. Was, I was sitting next to this gentleman and he um, he had been, what looked like he was trans, you know, copying English sentences from one piece of paper to another. So I assume kind of inferred that, you know, that he must've been learning English. And um, he looked West African and for caveat in the story, I grew up as a missionary kid in West Africa. So I, I asked him sitting next to me, just started the conversation. And I said, hey, I said, are you learning learning English? And he said, yeah, actually I am. And I said, do you mind if I ask where you're from? And he said, oh, it's a, it's a small country in West Africa. You're not gonna know it. And so um, I said, well, <laughs> try, you know, try, try me. And so he said, Cote d'Ivoire. And she said, Ivory Coast, which is the English translation. And I said, brother, and I said this actually in French, because um, that's the, the language they speak there. I said, only God could put two Ivorian brothers, you know, on a train in the middle of a city of three million people on a Wednesday afternoon. And of course, as soon as he heard the language and he knew that I was from there, he lit up. He actually stood up and embraced me. Um, and that, you know, turned into an incredible friendship. I, in that story, I, I think it's important to say, especially in terms of the BLESS acronym, is, you know, that could have been a nice story had he just continued on and then gotten off the train and I said, see you later, which is typically what we do, even if we do meet strangers on the you know, side of the road or in the street or on public transportation. But um, the intentionality of like, man, there, there's something happening here, you know, some, some grace moments here of God clearly working. And so, you know, I, I did the thing about, you know, I got to get this guy's number. I may never, again, 3 million people, I may never see this guy again. And so got his number and then uh, reached out to him. And that became a lifelong relationship. In fact, I was just messaging with him over the weekend. Uh, even though I don't live in Chicago anymore, we're still really connected with that family. He's uh, a refugee from Northern Cote d'Ivoire, had fled uh, during the conflict there. Uh, they're a Muslim family. Um, they've been in the, the city. They probably got there about six months before we had arrived. So they were new to the city, new to the United States. Uh, it was clear that God sort of intersected our lives on purpose. We were able to use uh, the simplicity of a friendship and that engagement to start sharing the love of God, um, to share the story and message of, of Jesus. Uh, again, through sort of a drawn out practice of this blessed acronym, right? Praying for them, uh, sharing meals with them, uh, serving them and their family. I got to meet him and his brothers and his sisters and his mom was the matriarch of that family. And uh, that connected us not only to their family, about 22 people, 
but also a much larger Muslim refugee community across the north side. Lauren, I, I find it really fascinating that you, 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 you seem to be really intentional about using these practices. And, you know, because I think somebody could say, well, yeah, he's extroverted. He's outgoing. He's meeting a guy on the L. That's just yeah. not me. Uh, but tell me, how did the blessed practices actually play a role in that process? And particularly, maybe the first one begin with prayer. Yeah. So, I mean, it, cliche or not, I mean, I think we take for granted how much work is done in prayer. Um, I believed in that moment when I met, when I met Ibrahim, that, you know, clearly God was already at work in the life of this young man. We got to know his story and the challenges that they were facing as a family, um, just the opportunity to be interceding on behalf of this family. One thing that sort of became a mantra for our team was that there's a lot of folks that we were meeting in Chicago. You know, I have the luxury of, you know, growing up in a Christian home a few generations deep. You know, it's not uncommon for my grandmother or an aunt or an uncle to send me messages saying that they're praying for me. Um, But as we got to know folks in the city, we realized, man, there's a lot of folks that don't have that, right? They don't have the the grandma and the family praying for them or or that aspect. And so you may be in certain relationships and circumstances, the only people or the only person interceding on behalf of this individual. That's probably the greatest thing you can do. And I love how you said that, yeah, there are people in our lives who have never once had anybody pray on their behalf. And, it, and it's not like we stop them in the middle of the street, lay our hands on them right. and pray for them, but we're intercessing or praying on behalf of them, um, you know, even before we ever listen, eat, serve, or have the chance to tell our stories. I'll tell you what, if you were to offer maybe one final thought to anyone with us who might you know, still have some reservations about what it could look like for them to bless their neighbors, uh, what would you say? I think uh, taking the leap that you, this is not something that you're initiating, right? That God has already initiated something uh, as it relates to their lives and what's going on. And so that you get the privilege of entering into what God is already doing. And there's confidence and trust uh, that it doesn't all rely on you. And then the simplicity of the blessed acronym that just require a level of intentionality. And I can tell you, having never practiced anything like it, that as we practiced it, there was a momentum that took place in that, right? As you saw God doing these things, uh, by practicing this, you just were excited to see what God might do next in another relationship. And our entire ministry for seven years was rooted entirely, I would argue, the fundamental principles that guided what we did was, was the bless. The bless uh, if you are ready to commit to being a blessing where you live, where you work, and where you play, I wanna challenge you to take action by using the BLESS Spiritual Growth Plan. Now, here's why this is so important. A while back, we discovered that most people who belong to community, they know our mission, helping people find their way back to God. We can restate it, we can talk about it, we can even explain it. And that's good, actually, that's quite good. But is knowing it really enough? And so a few months back, we surveyed our church and we found that 70% of us not only know our mission statement, we can even name the blessed practices, these five ways to love your neighbor and change the world. But here's how we have some room to grow. Of those of us who know the blessed practices, let me ask you, what percentage of us do you think are actually living them out on a daily basis? What would you guess? How about 27%? Yeah, just over a quarter. Now that's, that's not bad. That's a good start. But knowing them and not practicing them, that's kind of like going through the training for SpaceX, but never being launched into outer space, never going on a mission. And you see, our mission isn't hoping people will find their way back to God. It's helping people find their way back to God. And if we're going to fulfill that mission, 
It's gonna take every single one of us living as people who are sent to be a blessing. So engage with this blessed spiritual growth plan, okay? It's an online tool that walks you through a step-by-step plan to live a life of blessing others. You can find it at communitychristian.info. And our prayer is that this tool will help all of us awaken to the mission and purpose God has called us to, to be a blessing. Let me wrap up with this. You know, no one better understood the deepest needs of humanity more than Jesus. He came to earth as God in the flesh. And for three years, he simply went about blessing people, rich and poor, young and old, men and women, the powerful and the weak. It was not only how he lived out the mission, it was just how he lived. And we too are sent. We are to go. And as we go, where we go, we bless I mean, this is what we were made for. This is our purpose. Look, we we live in challenging times and our world desperately needs Christ followers to live a life of blessing. And I think if Jesus were here in the flesh right now, I think he would look us in the eye and ask, will you go? Will you bless? I wanna close with this prayer and I'd love for you to repeat it after me as a, a way of saying to God and to each other, yes, I will go and I will bless. Simply repeat it after me, line by line, as a way of saying to each other and to God, I will go and I will bless. Okay, repeat after me. Lord, help us to be a blessing to the people and in the places where we have been sent. Amen. Amen. 